Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net. You can also catch us online at penalcentral.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of 12 newspapers in 21 markets where we do game reviews. We have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. We're currently working on the new issue, which will be due out at the end of September. And of course, you can catch me on KISWFM radio, typically on BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Uh, that's on a bit of a hiatus right now as we uh, do some retooling to the show with some staffing changes and so on and so forth. Uh, but we'll have that very soon. And of course, I'm syndicated for places like Sci-Fi Radio, Smash Bomb, uh, N4G, and many others. And we have a little different show tonight as we cover all things entertainment. I'm uh, still in recovery mode, coming back from the D23 Expo, which was absolutely fabulous, and covering the Oogie Boogie Bash over at Disney's California Adventure with uh, my wife and granddaughter. We did them both on the same day. I did multiple days of the D23 Expo, but uh, one day specifically I did uh, the Expo, and then in the early afternoon went over and did the Halloween uh, presentation. And that was a lot of fun. So we'll have a more dedicated show uh, uh, with that coming up. But I did want to mention that. Uh, but first off this week, we have SeaWorld's Hall-O-Scream. We just had Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights last week. And that is select uh, nights through uh, Halloween at Universal Studios. They have it at their Orlando location and their Hollywood location. We obviously had our crew at the Hollywood location. And they have nothing but raves about it, from the weekend's activity to the old Halloween um, dressed up to the classic rides in the dark, like Jurassic World, to the newer mazes and everything. They had a fantastic time. We're going to be doing a write-up on that. We have plenty of video and um, pictures on the webpage and in our social medias, so we'll get to that in a bit. But first, I'm joined, as always, with Michael and Justin. And Michael is going to be doing our SeaWorld Hallows Scream coverage, which kicks off this Friday. Uh, so, Michael, give us a little bit of an overview. What are you uh, looking forward to? What do you know about it? And uh, what can we expect? Well, yeah, it's funny because I, I think the intro, the, I think they started doing this, what, a year ago or so? A year uh, ago in San Diego, yes. In, in the San Diego show, because it's amazing. A lot of people don't realize that SeaWorld even does this. So um, it's it's still fairly new, at least for the San Diego um, location, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, wait, uh, mazes. It's it's a similar type of vibe as not scary farm and those sorts of things, where it has um, you know some mazes, um, some shows, um, uh, a little bit. Uh, from what I understand, it's a little bit uh, less intense than something like Universal Studios is. Um, maybe a little bit more family friendly. But yeah, looking forward to uh, the opportunity to get to cover it this year. Yep, and my excuse, uh, my excuse, my way of describing it had always been more of a, uh, think of it more like a very well done community haunted house with theme park thrills behind it versus some of the things that you see um, at um, like Universal and Knott's where they obviously, one's a film studio and the other one just goes all out. You get, you know, professional quality actors, you get, um, Oh, the makeup, the theatrics, the special effects, all of that stuff. So they're a little more, um, you know, reserved about that and how they swing it all out. But it's still an incredible time. I went last year and covered that. And uh, the main reason Michael is covering this year is, A, I wanted him to experience it. 
and he's also going to be doing some coverage at Universal Studios as well, uh, both the daytime, and I think he said he was going to try to do some of the nighttime coverage. Uh, he's going to be covering the typical SeaWorld stuff during the day, and the following week, I am covering Not Scary Farm, and it was just a simple case of last year they were both on the same weekend, so I was able to do Knots on Thursday night, and I was able to swing down and do the media night for SeaWorld on the Friday night. This year, they were a week apart, and while they've certainly said, oh, you know, you're welcome to come one of the other nights, I could tell you it was a little uh, tiring to do two of them back-to-back -back like that, especially driving down from Buena Park to San Diego. So I am just going to focus on the Buena Park area and uh, look forward to Not Scary Farm. I uh, found out one of my favorite attractions there, the Dark Ride, is going to be retired after this year. I went last year, first time I went on it, really enjoyed it. And um, it's got one more season, I guess. Uh, some people had said they, who'd been there from the beginning, uh, you know, loved it. And it's been a very big thing. And that's always the trick with Knots is they always incorporate new mazes with returning favorites. Last year, the first show since COVID, they had one new maze and then brought back some returning classics. This year we have several, I believe, three new mazes, so I'm looking forward to seeing the mix between what they had last year, what has changed, and adding it, because uh, it's been a little bit since we did back-to-back. -back. I think I did two years in a row, took a year off, uh, because we had a cruise during that time, and then went back. So a lot of interesting stuff, and it is now definitely an annual thing for me. Uh, other thing I wanted to mention is that Fallout 76 has put out the next big update, The Pit. It is a free update, and it's available now. lets you walk around Appalachia uh, and into Pittsburgh and take on new enemies, new expeditions, and up to four people can play it. Season 10 of The Division 2 has also dropped today, and this includes all kinds of new uh, cosmetics, weapons, and uh, manhunt missions. And the main uh, news of the day, Nintendo had their showcase in the morning, but Sony had their uh, news. And Justin, were you able to catch any of the news that was happening from Sony today? I did, yeah. So um, I did catch quite a bit of uh, both uh, events, so both Nintendo's and Sony's. Uh, so Sony, it was, you know, it, estates of play are, are a little bit smaller than their full show, showcases. They're, they're a little like a Nintendo Direct, but um, they, they often range in how much they cover. Uh, this one actually seemed to cover, you know, a decent amount, actually. So there's a, a pretty lengthy God of War Ragnarok uh, trailer um, that showed quite a bit of the, you know, the story beats, the story um, kind of, like, teased a lot of the story elements that are going to be featured in the game. So that, that looked really good. That was probably the highlight of, uh, of the, the whole show. Uh, there's a, a new uh, open world uh, samurai game from Team Ninja uh, called Rise of the Ronin. That looked pretty cool, uh, set in the late 1800s uh, in Japan. Uh, Tekken 8 was also announced. Um, so overall, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a huge showcase, but I think this probably will be Sony's um, TGS. I, I'm guessing this is Sony's TGS presence for for this year, and. Uh, Honestly, it's probably one of the larger shows that they've had in quite some time. And Michael, did you have any comments on anything? Uh, yeah, they showed off the new God of War Ragnarok um, DualSense controller. Um, like anything else, it's, it's just essentially a DualSense 
uh, controller that has um, a kind of a blue and white uh, God of War theme to it. I actually kind of like how it looks if, if um, especially controllers are kind of your thing. I, I, I personally, outside of the, um, I know they have the new um, enhanced dual sense controller coming out, um, but, but generally speaking, I, I don't get too caught up in the special edition controllers or the special edition consoles. Uh, only because that could be a, a rabbit hole if you kind of fall down that, that path. But I, I do like the look. I like. I think it's a it's a pretty slick looking controller. Um, again, nothing really um, spectacular about it other than the color scheme. Uh, but again, if you're if you're into that kind of thing, it's obviously um, you know something to uh, look forward to. Um, obviously, seeing more God of War Ragnarok. I, I'm probably one of the few people that haven't played God of War. Uh, not because I'm against it or anything like that. I've had it since it was released. Um, I just honestly haven't had the time to get to it. Um, too many other things keep popping up every time I, I try to. Um, but obviously that's a, that's a big, um, a lot of excitement there uh, for the uh, the folks who were into that um, and, and getting to see a lot more of that. I know they're starting to, to show a lot more advertisements on that too. It's it's, it's exciting for, for the, the people who are, you know, have been looking forward to it. Um, Tekken 8, you know, what is there to say? It's Tekken. Um, but again, the Tekken series has always been one of my favorite fighting series um, outside of like the Soul Calibur type games. I've always been more of a Tekken person than a, a Street Fighter person myself. So um, excited about that. And of course, Rise of Ronin um, sounds exciting. Uh, Team Ninja always does a, a pretty good. Uh, job on, on the, uh, the games that they do release. So all in all, again, I, I don't know that there was a lot of new news. I, I think a lot of these things have been kind of hinted at over the past couple weeks. But at the same time, it's always good to kind of get an update and see where the where things are um, around this time of year. So yeah, it was good. What I found interesting was that they went ahead and pushed the PSVR 2 by showing off a couple of things. Uh, probably the biggest one was the Star Wars game that is being made specifically for it, and that would be Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition gameplay uh, trailer. You know, so a lot of people say, wow, this is coming for the PSVR 2, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. Uh, you know, wow, this is uh, going to be something. Now, as I remember, I believe it has been available on the PC, this particular one, but... Um, you know, still, it's an interesting thing. It's definitely something to get excited over. Uh, they had some other uh, VR news, and that was a game called Demio. And I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, but it's considered to be a co-op dungeon-crawling survival game. So uh, interesting to see what they have. But, of course, everybody is still wanting to see when they are going to get around to announcing when the PSVR 2 is going to, uh, you know, be hitting a market and uh, all of that other interesting news. The other bit of news I wanted to bring up is we have news that apparently Paramount is deeply considering folding their Showtime content into the Paramount Plus streaming service. Needless to say, this will cause a bit of negotiation and then some with cable providers and broadcasters who basically use HBO, Showtime, Star, Cinemax as uh, bundling options. And uh, so we'll start with you, Michael. What do you think of this? Well, considering um, I subscribe to Showtime and Paramount Plus, I'd prefer to just have one. So 
I would actually be okay with that. Um, yeah. Because uh, Showtime uh, uh, Yellow Jackets uh, last year was uh, fantastic for those who um, don't have Showtime streaming or, or didn't uh, watch it. It's kind of a, a take on Lord of the Flies. It's was a fantastic series, um, and I believe it's coming back this fall. Um, and in addition, um, they're just having those extra options. Again, Paramount Plus is one of those things where it it really struggled, I think, in the beginning, trying to trying to really find its footing. But over the past year or so, it's really um, exploded with content um, and just with with everything. Adding the Showtime mix of, of uh, streaming shows plus movies on top of what Paramount Plus movies are already there. Um, I think if I think it's a win, honestly, for those. If, if um, again, I think. Um, I think we kind of been talked about this in the past where a lot of these individual streaming services were likely going to expand and, and, and conglomerate and, and merge together. Um, it makes sense, right? I mean, a lot of people want to go the streaming route to, to first save money and two, to have uh, plenty of content to show. Uh, and one of the, it's one of those things where the more content you can deliver on a platform, the more you can compete. I mean, we've seen the how Netflix has kind of suffered from that because they've lost some of their premier content to you know Disney Plus and other streaming services. Um, so it's it makes sense that as opposed to trying to continue to maintain all these different streaming services, that we start seeing some of them merge into you know larger um, op- options for folks to to enjoy. Yeah, that would absolutely make. Um, sense and Justin, what do you think about all this? I, I honestly, I completely agree with Michael. You know, I think I, I was one of the ones who was probably the most skeptical of the, um, the success of a lot of these other streaming services. Um, you know, and I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm happy to say that I, I was wrong. You know, it, it was. Um, I, I've always been kind of mixed on this because. I've long said for it was one of the reasons I, I was a cable cutter like really early on. So I, I you know, I cut cable uh, service like 10, 12 years ago and went straight to streaming because I found myself just not watching much cable. Um, and I don't regret the decision at all. Um, and for a, as long as I can remember, I've always thought, you know, you really should only pay for the, the channels that you that you watch uh i would like that model better that you just pick and choose like hey i watch these channels and that's the bundle you get and you pay for just the the channels that uh that you want to watch and that's effect- effectively what these streaming services are you you're basically just paying for if you you know you like one company's content then you pay for their streaming service and um you know maybe you like two or three of them um the, the one issue is that it's hard to justify because of their of their individual costs it's hard to justify you know having for for the regular person having like i don't know four or five of them most people i think have usually two maybe three um and because of the the size of netflix and amazon i was always pretty skeptical of of paramount um you know even apple uh and some of the other individual ones um, but to Paramount's credit, uh, they've been pretty successful and they've, they've really, um, you know, shown that they can put a lot of content that's exclusive to their platform, 
Um, but you know, to Michael's point, I do think a lot of the smaller ones, there, there's probably going to be a few that kind of stick out and uh, are individually successful. But I do think over time, a lot of them are going to have to start merging. That would make sense. And Michael, what do you think about all this? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, as we discussed, and you know, Justin was as pointing out, you know, it's just um, uh, if if you if you're one of those people that wants to have everything, you certainly can. <laughs> I mean, I know we we subscribe to a lot, and we've been slowly kind of trimming some of those things, right? I mean, um, but but again, as these as some of these merge, um, if they can merge and keep price is reasonable because the last thing people want to do is have a bunch of these huge um, streaming services that now they're paying the same price they were paying for <laughs> packages on cable, right? We don't want to go that route either. But I think if we can get the same amount of content and still save money on it, I think it's a win-win for the consumer. What's really funny about this and in a way sad is that consumers have been telling cable for ages we want a la carte. We want to pick the channels that we want. We do not want to have to pay for all of these extra channels. And I heard it, uh, you know, defended as well. It's a very complicated process that, you know, essentially in order for something like say home and garden or the shopping network, which is probably a bad example because they do fairly well, but for some of these smaller channels to survive, they have to be bundled in with the bigger boys and it's kind of the old you know nobody's going to survive on their own and i guess there's the politics between they're offering something that other people don't have and so therefore in order to give you the maximum variety we're going to have to do that and it's like right but again you a consumer has to be able to say i want this i don't want this and you know the this whole notion that well, if you want, like, NFL Red Zone, you have to buy a sports package. It's, well, maybe I don't want all the hockey and all of this. Well, that, that, the college basketball, well, that comes with it, so you have to just pony it up. And, you know, for the longest time, it was considered the cost of doing business. Now it's a case of, well, I have other options. I can stream this content, or I can get some of this standalone if I'm willing to stream it rather than this. And as my wife points out many times, with a lot of these things that you stream, you can cast them to your television, and just because you can't run them through your TV and you have to work, you know, run them through your phone or your iPad that or tablet, that doesn't mean you can't put them right on the thing. So, you know, be interesting to see. I think it is definitely a changing of the guard, and it will be uh, really interesting to see how things go forward. And of course, while I was gone, they had the Ubisoft forward. I did want to make sure to mention that, and. We had a lot of stuff. There's a new Assassin's Creed Affinity, which is uh, two new games. Uh, one of them is going to be set in feudal Japan. And then, of course, there is the... Um, Infinity is not necessarily a game, but it's a place where the players will explore and jump into future enter entry ah, entries, kind of like a portal. But there's uh, Assassin's Creed Codename Hex, which had a reveal trailer. And that one is really, really interesting. Uh, there's also Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is set in Baghdad 24, 20 years before the events of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then there's also the open world mobile Assassin's Creed coming. And then new chapters for um, 
Valhalla. But then, of course, we also have a lot of stuff with Mario and Rabbids. There's Skull and Bones, uh, which is coming, Trackmania, Just Dance 2023 is coming, a Rainbow Six mobile game, and then The Division Heartland is getting ready for another testing phase, which players can sign up. I already mentioned The Division 2 Season 10. There's the mobile division game Resurgence coming, Writer's Republic, The Crew 2, Mythic Quest, Brawlhalla. There's lots of stuff. And then, of course, here's an interesting thing. Netflix and Ubisoft are partnering on a live-action Assassin's Creed adaptation alongside uh, the three mobile games. And then, of course, uh, we've heard rumors forever about a Division game coming. Uh, excuse me, a Division movie coming. So, uh, Michael, we'll start with you. What do you think? Yeah, quite a lot to digest from the Ubisoft. Um, one thing I do like is the Japan setting. I think that's been on a lot of people's wish list for the Assassin's Creed um, franchise for a long time, uh, which, again, I think they, there's so much they can do with a Japanese setting. Um, and setting it in feudal Japan for Assassin's Creed, I think that might be another one that, if they do it right, could actually continue to revitalize that series. I mean, Valhalla obviously had, had done fairly well. Um, you know, the Assassin's Creed franchise has had its ups and downs. Uh, but I really think if they do the the, the Japan setting correctly, it, it's you know it's a pretty popular um, setting with folks. Um, we've seen other um, Sony and, and, and other um, companies have done similar uh, franchise steps into the Japanese series. So I think all in all, it's a, um, it's a good move for them. It's it's generated quite a bit of excitement. Um, Skull and Bones. Uh, it's good to finally see some more on this. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of hype when um, it was first announced back, what, six, seven years ago? Um, so, um, which was kind of utilizing some of the Assassin's Creed, what, four um, black, what is it, the Black Flag um, yep. tip combat into its own pirate combat theme. Um, so we're finally getting more information there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that looks when it's done. And Justin, close us out tonight. What do you have for us? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty curious about their moves with Assassin's Creed. And my, my first initial reaction was that, you know, five announcing five Assassin's Creed titles at once seemed a, like a bit much. Um, but, you know, you sort of dig into it, and they're, it's not like they're coming out all at the same time. They're not coming out... Um, you know, it, it, it's basically that they're they're just announcing what they're working on right now, and it's uh, this uh, Infinity is is at first it was kind of confusing to me, like what exactly that they're they're trying to they're trying to do with this, but it sort of makes sense that um, when you kind of think back what Assassin's Creed started as, um, and you know, just to go back a little bit, uh, I was like. I was sold day one. Like I, I was one of those people who uh, uh, I was sold on the concept with Assassin's Creed one. You know, I, I, I even, you know, to this day, I, I like Assassin's Creed one quite a lot. Um, even though I, I think that it didn't really quite live up to its potential. Um, it was really like the Ezio trilogy that I think it really hit its stride. And that that's um, honestly, I, I think that's the highest point that this series has, has ever been is the, the Ezio games. Um, so 
you know, if you kind of think about what the what the premise was at the time, you know, there was the modern day component, um, and you were using the the animus. I think that's what it was called uh, to go back to different time periods. So my guess is that they're they're using this Infinity platform as kind of like a stand-in for, um, you know, the modern day component, um, where you're you're basically going to use it as a as a hub or a, a portal into all these different Assassin's Creed games. Uh, I do kind of wonder yeah, how long they can kind of keep that going. Um, sometimes it, it seems like a lot of um, companies have really good have really kind of interesting kind of creative ideas about how they're going to deliver content, you know, famously valve and their, uh, they wanted to do episodic content, um, for half-life and they got two episodes in and then, and then never again. Um, other, other companies have tried similar things where, um, you know, they kind of want to do like a platform and, and release things in, in episodic format. Uh, that's not exactly what Ubisoft's doing here, of course, but, um, I just, I was just using an analogy as, uh, you know, one as a wonder of how long they can kind of keep this going, um, even if it is a really cool idea. Uh, so I'm I'm intrigued. You know, I, I honestly I haven't. I, I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed games, but I haven't played one in a long time just because I, I kind of got burnt out and the, the direction they were going was was not quite, um, you know, what I was most interested in. Um, but I'm actually pretty curious I, you know, I was one of those people who thought, oh, it's just a, a no brainer. A ninja, a ninja, uh, Assassin's Creed game is just like, it writes itself. Um, so I'm, I'm cu definitely curious with that one. Um, the one that they showed off the most, uh, Mirage also looks pretty interesting set in Baghdad. Um, in, uh, I'm not sure exactly which, uh, century, but, um, it looks like it's, fairly similar to the setting of Assassin's Creed 1. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how these games go um, and how successful they are with this new idea. Definitely a lot of stuff to keep an eye on, for sure. And we are definitely looking forward to seeing what's coming out, especially as we start getting closer and closer to the holidays and the release dates for some of these as well. So... That is going to do it for us this week, folks. We're going to have a special D23 show uh, coming up. But until then, everybody take care, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon.